This is Journey Church Podcast. Here at Journey, we believe in encountering God and embracing people. From wherever you're listening, we hope you are encouraged by this week's message. The church of God is exploding around the world, even in the places that are really, really difficult like this. And if you look, um, there's another... This is one of the refugee crises that we'll be able to serve. And right now we're feeding about 30,000 children every single day by God's grace. And, and the, 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 they're, they're literally doing pop-up baptisms and people are coming to know Christ all over. I've got, um, and th- this is another picture for you too. This is one of the areas that has some of the highest per capita human trafficking and, and uh, sp- specifically of young girls in the world. And this, these are some of the areas that the church is breaking out. And we've been able to see not only girls be rescued, but come to know Jesus, and they go back and plant churches. And so they went from a victim to a church planter. And one girl, she was rescued, and she led over 450 people to Jesus in her whole people group. It's just remarkable what God is doing. And so when you go to the tough places of the world, you see two things. You see miracles and heroes. And when you really look through the book of Acts, It just shines with miracles and heroes, miracles and heroes. It's beautiful seeing what happens. I'm going to show you just a few more pictures. Um, And I'm going to do a lot of pictures and storytelling. You guys okay with that today? It'd be like one of those old school missionary slideshows, but it's not with the little, uh, you know, one of those things. I don't even know what that is. Do you know what I'm talking about? There's, yeah, slide, like, I don't even know what that is, but yeah. So, and I've been kind of doing this with my hand. That's like a, you know, they know that. So, oh, 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 sorry, go back. That was accident. All right, thank you. So, but, (laughs) so what I wanted to share was that, that, that God is moving in a greater way in the global church right now than at any other time in human history. You know, many people kind of feel like it's tough sledding in North America with the church right now, but I have a friend that keeps telling me, reminding me, he's a missiologist, he goes, Hey, just remember, we're crushing it around the world. Like, like this, this, the Bible and the gospel and, and Jesus and his love and more miracles are happening more than any other time in human history. And we get to be a part of this. Truly, there's a, I was in Dubai just a little bit ago, and there were 30 leaders there. And every one of those leaders had planted over 10,000 house churches. And I'm talking about, there's, one, there's a movement among uh, the Taliban, of Taliban people coming to know Christ. There's move, one of the fastest growing churches in the world is in Iran right now. Like God is moving in mighty, mighty ways. And so you can kind of get disassociated because there's a real you know, headwinds against the church in North America. But just remember this always, the gospel is exploding in ways that we have no idea around the world that's greater. Literally, missiologists and historians are saying, we've never seen this in the history of the church. And we get to live in this time. It's so exciting. And so I want to share just a little bit. I was just in with my wife and my, my uh, kids. We were just in uh, Bhutan and Nepal and Turkey for uh, almost a month, just a few months ago. And we got to see the burgeoning of a, a huge early, like early church type movement in, in uh, the nation of Nepal. And in the past four years, we've been able to, with our partners, see over 4,000 house churches planted in just the past four years. They're literally exploding and, and, and happening all the time. And they're getting, people are getting baptized all the time. In fact, and it's all fueled by an intense, intense uh, spirit or culture or whatever you want to call it, practice of prayer. And so let's, let's dig into Acts for a little bit here. I'm going to say a prayer. And then we're going we're gonna to dive into the, some of the chapters of Acts. And then I'm going to tell you a story 
that is like just in, in real time that's happening. It's like the book of Acts. Does this sound good? Okay, we'll do that together, but let's pray. Oh, Jesus, we love you. Just light a fire in us today. Amen. Amen. So Acts chapter 1 opens up with a really powerful, powerful verse here. It says that they all join together constantly in prayer. And I love that. I love that. And in fact, it also goes on to say, just as a side note, this is just a little teaching. Uh, it said men and women. And we read that and go, yeah, duh. And, and what that happened in that culture, men and women never got together for prayer. Men prayed, women prayed. Men and women never got together for prayer as equals. And so it's just a beautiful thing that God was doing there. But they joined together constantly in prayer. And I'm going to show you just a quick picture. We got to be a part of launching the very first mass prayer meeting in the history of Nepal. And this is 6,000 people, 32 unreached people groups are being represented. And the authorities, they've never had this because it's kind of semi-persecuted there. And the authorities came to shut down the prayer meeting. And the pastors gathered together and said, you see all these people here? If you shut this down, we're all going to vote against you. And the authorities went, you can have your prayer meeting. <laughs> and it was awesome. It was the very first time that the church rose up. And I got to tell you, there, there's 24-7 prayer rooms in every single one of the provinces. There's, uh, they have all-night prayer meetings as a regular basis. Like prayer just, just infuses everything in part of our culture. And so sometimes your words don't translate. When they say they pray and we say we pray, we're talking about different things. You know, I was talking to one of our partners who she'd served in a refugee uh, war camp area for 40 years. And she, I asked her about her prayer life. And she said, oh, when I was young, I had no money, but I, had, I, I wanted to give something to God. And I figured the only currency I had was my time. And so I started praying two and a half hours a day. To, and, and I've been doing that for the past 40 years. I was like, oh, so when you say pray, <laughs> you mean something different than what I was thinking about pray. Like, you mean pray. And that's what the global church does. It's normal to have every believer's praying one to two hours a day. It's normal to have prayer meetings, at, you know, all-night prayer meetings. It's normal to have 24-7 uh, prayer uh, rooms in different provinces. It's normal to have long prayer meetings. They really pray. And when they're praying, they're praying for their nation, praying for others. It's like this outward-focused, calm kingdom of God prayer. And, and I have to really emphasize this story because all the other stories hinge on this one. And really, if you look at Acts, all the other things that happen hinge on their prayer meetings. If you look at the, at the book of Acts, it's like they had a big prayer meeting, and then the Holy Spirit fell, and all these things happened. Then they had another prayer meeting. Then an earthquake happened because God was so excited about their prayer meeting. He, like, joined it with an earthquake. And then they move on. You know, like, it's just beautiful as you read the story. And they are gathering and praying, and they decided to send out this guy named Paul in the prayer meeting. They're like, oh, I feel like God wants us to send out Paul and see what happens. Oh, Christianity spreads across the world. Like, it's just beautiful. All came out of the prayer meetings. And uh, if you look at the next one here, this is the, this is the overflow room of the prayer meeting because an extra thousand people came up to the prayer meeting and they had gotten in buses at 3 a.m. to ride for seven hours through the horrible hot mountains of Nepal to go and fast and pray for days. And this is what they do. It's just beautiful. Okay, so that's Acts 1 like the early church. Then what happens is Acts 2, you see all these masses coming to Jesus. And this just happened a couple months ago. We got to be a part of the first mass baptism in the history of Nepal. So we'll go to the, uh, the next one right there. Over a thousand people got baptized in one time. And then they had people in 16 different provinces getting baptized as well. And I'll do another. Oh yeah, yeah. 
excuse me, the verse up there, it said, those that, that, that after the big prayer meeting of Acts chapter 2, those who accept the message of baptizing, about 3,000 were added to the number just in one day, right? Like just massive prayer meeting and then massive things happening. So then we go to the next picture here. This is, these, these are people, 16 different people groups walking to their fir- the first mass baptism. And I showed this to other pastors in Nepal, and they just start bawling. Like, we never thought we'd see this in our country. We never thought we could ever see this. Most baptisms happened in secret. Most of them happened in, like, caves and on, in all these other different places. These get to happen. This is the first mass baptism. And I'll show you another picture here of these people. It was just remarkable seeing this. And the authorities tried to shut this one down, too. Same thing. We'll all vote against you. Okay, you can have your baptism. So the church is starting to get some, some actual critical mass to start seeing a revival happen in the nation. So it's really, really just awesome to see. And these are just a few weeks old, these pictures. And, and, and the church is growing so fast. They're like, okay, we have to have multiple mass baptisms in different places every year. It's just beautiful. So we can go to the next one here. And then, and then let's go to Acts 3. Let's talk about the, the miracles. So one of the miracles was the next day, you know, Peter's praying and he sees a guy. You probably re- you re- saw this, heard this story. He says, I don't have silver and gold, but, but I do have something. I have Jesus. I want you to get up and walk. And um, Esther is one of our, our amazing uh, church planters. And in, 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 in all the different places we work, everyone's, everyone's a church planter. So taxi driver, church planter. Hairdresser, church planter. Uh, the one, one country in Sierra Leone, there's a guy, he's Supreme Court justice, and he's a, he's a church planter. Like, it, like everybody sees themselves as, like, yeah, we're all going to start groups, and we're all going to form Bible studies, and we're all going to start bringing people to Jesus. Everyone is one of those. And Esther is one of those. She went to another village. She walked through a tiger-infested jungle shows up at the village and starts um, teaching on feminine hygiene and finds out that there's a couple of crippled boys there. So she prays for them. Both of them get up and start walking, and the whole village comes to Christ, and they all get baptized, right? Pretty amazing. Yeah, right? (laughs) But that doesn't just randomly happen every now and again. It happens a lot. So, like, here's another picture of this man. He was 70 years old and crippled, and the guy next to him, Durga, who's our incredible mountain man. He has the record for the highest altitude shown Jesus film in the world, up at 19,000 feet, higher than Kilimanjaro. And most of us would be on oxygen, and they're like watching the Jesus film. It's awesome. So that's Durga, and he shows up at the, vill- at the village and, uh, and shared the story of Jesus saying, you know, what's harder, to forgive someone's sin or to say, get up and walk? And they read that story, and he accepted Christ, and he got up and started walking. He was crippled, and so he is now walking to his baptism. He's a crippled man who is now walking to his baptism. It's so beautiful. Hey, oh yeah, we can, we can give God praise for all this stuff. Yeah, this is awesome. This is like clapping in Canada, I heard, is a really big deal, right? <laughs> like, like this is the largest display of emotion in a long time for some of you. I get it. But, but I'm kind of this like Irish hyperactive redhead kid. So let's just pretend we can all be, you know, like excited and, and, and wild for just a little bit. But yeah, I have a friend who said, yeah, if you preach in Canada and they go like this, that's like shouting, you know. <laughs> so, so, all right, so if we're, if we're clapping now, just, we're just not being Canadian today, right? We can just be excited about what God's doing. Okay, I got another one, all right? This girl was completely crippled, and one of the ladies at the, we have a, a prayer center, and, and one of the ladies at the prayer center felt like the Lord said they're supposed to pray until she walks. And so they coordinated round-the-clock prayer for 30 hours straight, round-the-clock prayer. And after 30 hours, she got up and started taking her first steps. 
Isn't that beautiful? I mean, again, when someone says, oh, let's pray for you, when they say pray and we say pray, they're different definitions. You know, like 30, oh, okay, pray. All right, and that's the, the, what's going on in the global church. It's beautiful. So let's go to the next one. And, and it's, it doesn't come without its own persecutions. So in Acts chapter 7, we see Stephen was stoned, the first martyr. And um, in, in our venture community, this past year, we've had four people killed for their faith. We've had 12 put in prison. It's real. And I'm going to show you a, a picture of one of them. I can't show you which country, but this is Pastor C. He was literally killed for his faith, and they put the government uh, put on the, the guilty charge, killed for inciting people to believe in God. And, and, and yet, the people he discipled this past year have led over 500 people to Christ in the Camus area. It's just beautiful what's happened. And so, no matter what you do, you can't stop the church. It's you can't stop the church. It's beautiful what God's doing. So, that's, so this is, again, Stephen, if you look at Acts, the Stephen actually being martyred was this beautiful thing. It caused an explosion of the church to start spreading all over the region, if you watch it. And it was actually a catalyst for the church spreading. And every area that we've seen people persecuted or killed, the gospel spreads more, not less. It's beautiful to see. And so Acts chapter 7, Stephen was, was stoned. They dragged him out of the city and they began to stone him. And yet that turned out to be something that you can't stop. Even of all people, this is an odd one, Napoleon noticed that you can't stop the church. And when Napoleon was in prison, he wrote this, and they have these letters of Napoleon. He wrote down saying, Charlemagne, Alexander, Caesar, and myself all tried to build kingdoms, and there's nothing to show for any of them today. But Jesus built his kingdom on love, and hundreds of millions would die for him today. It's just a beautiful idea. You can't stop the kingdom of God. Every other major kingdom is fault. You can't stop the kingdom of God. It's just beautiful. All right, so let's move on. We're going to keep going on because we've got a lot, a lot of Acts to go through, okay? So the next story is Acts chapter 8, sharing in the hostile environments. Um, and it said, And that day a great persecution broke out against the church of Jerusalem. And that persecution, uh, we have, we, when we asked our pastors who were imprisoned, so how, do, how can we pray for you? They said, don't pray that we get out of prison. Pray that we can lead people to Jesus in prison. <laughs> Because that's, that's what happened in the book of Acts. And it's just wild to think. And so I know, I know that there's, what, what's happening in North America is the church is actually experiencing the very beginnings of soft persecution. And I actually believe that's going to make us stronger. Because <laughs> it does that every throughout history. Whenever persecution comes, the church of Jesus somehow gets strengthened and purified and starts moving in a greater way. And so those of you who are young, you might see a greater persecution than even your, your parents ever saw in, in, in your faith. But it's going to make you strong. It's going to help you rise up. And it's going to turn you like the global church and like the church of Acts, that all the stuff that what you thought was actually destroying the church is actually helping it explode. It's beautiful. So let's move on to Acts chapter 9. Um, so there's someone named Paul who's a pretty big character in the book of Acts. Um, he has this vision of Jesus. And um, I can't show you this picture, so I'm just going to tell you the quick story. And the story is we have a, a, a partner named Colonel Rawl 
And Colonel Rawl was a part of, I can't tell you which country, but he was a part of a junta government, and he was committing genocide upon a minority people group, literally with a machine gun, shooting and killing minority people, okay? Kind of like Paul, chasing people down and, and trying to kill them. I mean, this is Nazi-like behavior. Just because of the, who, the people group that they were, they were killing them. And a bomb went off near by Colonel Rawl, and he went into a coma for two months. And while he was in the coma, he had a vision of Jesus Christ. And Jesus said to him, stop what you're doing and follow me. He comes out of the coma and he says, I need a Bible. I need to find out how to follow Jesus. And he starts reading the words of Jesus and realizing that his life of committing genocide is very different from the life that Jesus was describing. And he gave up and left the army. And we have worked with Colonel Rawl to feed millions of the very people he used to shoot. Is it this minority people group he is now serving. So he was once killing them, and now he's serving them. Just like Paul, right? I mean, that's where the clap. If you're going to be like non-Canadian, clap. Like, that's awesome, right? That's awesome. And, 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 and just like Paul, he was now became a part of the very people he was persecuting. All it took was seeing Jesus. And, and this is just a bonus. I wasn't planning on this one, but uh, in our own lives, um, we, we actually just two months ago um, adopted a girl officially. She's lived with us for two years, a, a girl from one of the countries that we serve. Uh, her, her father was one of our partners, and he was tortured. Um, and she, we were able to get her into our, into our house and, and, and now just recently adopt her. But when she came, she lived through the horrors of a war. And she had night terrors every single night. And then I came home one night, one day from work, and she, she said, Dad, Dad, you wouldn't, care. you wouldn't believe what happened. And she was glowing, like laughing, smiling, crying, all, everything all at once. And, and I said, what happened? She said, I saw Jesus today. I said, what? And, and she, I knew she saw something because she just was glowing. And, and like, every, and just, she said, I closed my eyes to pray, and I saw Jesus. He was so shiny. And I was like, well, I mean, he has that reputation. And, um, and he came towards me and he put his hand on my shoulder and said, I'm safe now. And from that day on, she has had no night terrors. One vision of Christ. All that trauma from war was healed. It's just beautiful. Jesus comes into, the, into our lives. Visions of Jesus. It happens, folks. It's beautiful. Okay, so are you guys with me still? We're, still with me? Okay, all right. Good deal. Let's go to um, Acts chapter 12. So prayer and, uh, let's see, uh, well, I'm sorry, I, I did miss a picture for you guys. Forgive me. We'll do one more. Thank you guys for following me. I got so excited about my story. This is, um, we'll go right into the next one too here. Um, this is one of my favorite pictures. This is one of the, in one of the countries we serve, behind this girl is a church that was destroyed. And she's getting baptized anyways in, the, in, the, in a little area right in front of a church. So behind her is a destroyed building, and you're looking at the unstoppable, unquenchable church. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? That's just one of the coolest things. It's just, it's just awesome. Okay, um, let's go to the next here. We've got, we have to move on to, oh, so we did Vision of Jesus. Forgive me, I did I got a little bit ahead and excited, a little too hyperactive redhead kid, okay? Getting excited at the slides, so we'll go to the next one here. Um, oh, uh, go right back, sorry. Go right back. 
One more, one more Saul to Paul story. Um, and this, this man right here, and this is, this is hard to, to conceive. This man here used to kidnap young girls, traffic them into India, and sell them for money. And then he met Jesus. And he realized what he had done. And he went back and put his life at risk to go rescue the girls that he had sold. It's just beautiful. I'm not done. I'm not done. Okay, you can clap, but I'm not done. Okay? And years later after that, he got so full of the Lord that he is now the pastor in the town that he used to be the trafficker. Isn't that beautiful? (laughs) Now you can clap. That's just awesome. That's God. It's just a beautiful, beautiful thing of coming to see Jesus. And that's, that's what God does over and over and over. We see one thing. I mean, if there's one person, I'm like, uh, yeah, you're doomed. You know, it would be somebody who did that. And Jesus still said, no, no, no. You see a trafficker. I see a redeemed child of God. It's just beautiful. Okay, now we can go on to Acts 16. All right, so in Acts 16, there's, there's this dual thing happening, and we're going to hit both of them. There's this girl that was be a slave of these masters, and then she was being oppressed spiritually, right? And there's all kinds of different terms you want to use for, you know, someone who's being influenced by demons. We have like 20 different psychological terms for it all, and, but somebody who was, she was out of her mind, and Paul prayed and said, in the name of Jesus, be set free. And, and yet, two things are going on there, and I want to show you what's happening. One, that girl was a slave. This young girl right here, that's my wife, by the way. She's awesome. Uh, just a couple months ago, just four and a half months ago, this girl was a slave in a brothel, and she was rescued. And so the, the gospel is still rescuing young enslaved girls, just like in Acts 16, physically rescuing young enslaved girls. And they're planting churches and seeing God move and getting healed and getting jobs, and it's beautiful. We saw in one people group, the very first lawyer in the history of their people group was a girl who had been trafficked. And that the very first accountant in the history of their people group, first banker in the history of their people group, was, was all former girls who have been trafficked. And God sets them free. Um, I want to show you, though, for another, another and then there's also a spiritual dynamic going on where she was oppressed spiritually. She was a slave. And in this picture... I want to show you this man is in a village up in the mountains in Nepal. He was so out of his mind that he was hurting children, and the village didn't know what to do, so they chained him up. It's a very, very biblical story. And he was prayed for, and God set him free. And now he's farming in that village. He's leading others to Jesus. He's in his right mind. It's a beautiful, beautiful, and almost the whole village came to Christ because they saw the guy that was in chains is now set free completely. It's just beautiful to see God do this. It's awesome. And so, yeah, that's, so then we move on to Acts 16. Acts 16 keeps going, in fact. Um, and I shared a little bit about this earlier, but Paul and Silas were in, in prison, if you go to the next one here. And, oh, 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 I already told you that story. Yeah, as Acts 16 goes on, um, Paul and Silas were in prison, and they said, hey, we're going to lead the jailer to Christ. We had just, this is about Five months ago, we had some of our partners who were leading so many people to Christ in prison that they kicked them out because <laughs> they didn't want them to lead everyone, all the people to Jesus. So that, that's a bonus Acts 16 one. It's just awesome. So Acts, Acts 17, though, um, this is, this is a, a really powerful one. 
In Acts 17, Paul comes to this, this village, uh, village, it's called Athens, it's a city, sorry, not a village, and, and he basically says, hey, I see you're religious in many, many different ways. And I'm going to say something that's a little bit, can, can be a little bit controversial, but I'll share it through the, the eyes of somebody I sat next to on an airplane. Um, and this person was very, very, you know, progressive in their mindsets and very much anti, you know, Christianity. And I, I just shared what I did and everything. And she's like, why would you go and try and convert other people of another religion? You know, she's just really, you know, uh, you know really forward with me about this stuff. And, and that's what was happening in Athens was there's this competing religions and whatever happened in Athens kind of spread throughout the empire at the time and whatever kind of religion they came up with. And I want to answer the question this morning, why in the world would you go to another place and tell someone that their religion is wrong and they need to follow yours? It's a very, very, you know, it's a real question, a poignant question. And, and if you look, I'm going to show you another slide. This is one of the countries that we serve in. They have these huge Buddhist towers statues on the top of all the mountains and um, our new daughter uh, uh, who she actually grew up Buddhist and about once a month she'll say this she'll go guys you have no idea how amazing it is to be a Christian she said it's the best <laughs> and, and I was like well tell me about it she goes I, as a Buddhist I was never good enough there's this wheel of karma it was going and going, and you know, no matter how hard you tried, you were never, ever, ever good enough. And I want to explain how this reincarnation, this sounds really cool when it's talked like by Oprah or Richard Gere or somebody like that, but uh, that's, uh, Richard Gere's an actor for those of you who are students. Um, <laughs> and it sounds awesome when they talk about it. Let me tell you how it actually plays out. We work, uh, and I'll show you this picture here. This is one of the lowest caste groups the, in, 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 in Buddhism and in uh, Hinduism, they have caste system. And they believe that the lowest caste are so low that they're lower than dogs. That if you walk to your friend's house and you brush by them and touch them, you, uh, you, or sorry, if you're walking to your friend's house and you touch a dog, like a mangy dog, you're fine. But if you walked and you touched a Dalit person, you're unclean and you have to go home and take a shower because they're lower than dogs. Okay? And then, and then they're ranked those in subgroups. And the group that I'm showing you right now is the body people, B-A-D-I. And they are the lowest subgroup of the lowest caste. And they're told by their religion that you screwed up in your last life, so karma's gonna punish you in this life and made you a body person. And so you deserve to be raped, you deserve to be abused, you deserve to be slaved, you deserve to be sold, you deserve to be trafficked, because that's karma punishing you for what you did wrong in your last life. And there's huge amounts of suicide because they think, well, if this life is this bad, then I'm going to kill myself and get to the next one a lot sooner. And so the way that this plays out is we go to these villages and we tell the body people that God loves everyone the same. There's no high and low caste. There's no screwing up in your last life. There's no keep trying on the wheel of karma to get better. There's forgiveness and grace. And God comes to you instead of you having to work your way to God. This is the gospel that we're given. And we tell them, you don't have to put up with being abused. You don't have to put up with being trafficked. You don't have to put up with people taking advantage of you and your people group being oppressed. Because God says that you are just as important as a king. You are just as important as anyone else in this world. And that's the gospel. And I shared that with this person next to me in the plane. And she's like, yeah, you go keep telling them God loves them. <laughs> 
And she no longer was like, why are you trying to convert? She's like, yeah, you keep converting people. That's great. And that is the gospel. The gospel that we have is awesome. When you look at it through the eyes of a Hindu or a Buddhist, like my, my, my daughter says, you have no idea how amazing it is to be a Christian, <laughs> to be forgiven, to, to not have to keep trying to work. And every religion has a list to work. And if you work the list, you're good. And if you don't work the list, you're bad. And there's no end. There's no other thought in the world, no other religion like Jesus. He came to us. There's no ladder to climb. There's a, there is a Savior to accept. And that is so powerful. And I can't explain. In fact, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm getting excited about this, okay? Um, Brother Raju, one of our brothers, he went to a village where they were literally selling their children for food. So what did he do? He got them food to get through the winter. And they started selling their kids for something else. Why? Because they believed in their heart at the very core of their being that they were worthless and they screwed up in their last life. And then, so their life means nothing now. And then he shared the gospel with them. And they would not sell their kids even if they were hungry because they realized we are made in the Imago Dei, the image of God, and that God's favor is upon us, his life is with us, and we have eternity with Jesus ahead of us, and that this life is the life to be able to pour out for those who are hurting and not try to earn new karma so that your next life is better. It's a beautiful message, and that's a beautiful gospel, and that's what we have is that story of Jesus. And that's what Paul did when he went in Acts 17. So I've got just a couple more. I don't have a ton of time, but I have a few more to share. But you, are you catching this with me? You guys with me here? Awesome. Awesome. All right. So uh, let's go to the next. All right. And then Acts 19. This is kind of just a fun one. Um, it said that God did extraordinary miracles. And I want to start bringing it home a little bit here uh, to this, this country. Uh, God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and illnesses were cured and evil spirits left them. Now, um, this, is a true, this just happened a, a couple months ago. There's a man in Nepal with one of our partners. Uh, it was her grandfather, or no, great uncle. And he was not sleeping. But not like not sleeping like, oh, that's bad. No, like not sleeping to where he couldn't sleep at all and he was going insane. And they put him in a hospital because he couldn't sleep at all. He, had no, he hadn't gotten sleep in days and days. And my wife was, got a text about this and felt like she was supposed to pray in a voicemail. So she prayed a voicemail and sent it to her. And then, this, and then our partner took the voicemail and plated the voicemail for the guy who was in, he was in the hospital now by this point because he couldn't sleep. Played the voicemail for him. And that night he fell asleep for 10, 12 hours. <laughs> It was kind of like a prayer handkerchief, but it was like a prayer voicemail. It's like a modern-day <laughs> version of a prayer handkerchief, right? It's like, but who would have thought you just pray into a phone, and then that person, uh, you know, thousands of miles away, hears that prayer and is healed. That's our God. That's our God. And so even prayer handkerchiefs, like when you pray, you don't realize what you're doing. It's powerful. And you usually don't even know who you're talking to. It's powerful. It's the God of the universe. So why not? So why not? And, um, and then, then the last one, Acts 26, we see uh, Paul sharing the gospel in front of kings. And this is a really fun story. You know those body people I told you guys about? Well, there's one girl who is the very first high school graduate 
female high school graduate in the history of the body people. Their 300-year history, there's never been a woman that's ever graduated high school, and she was the first. And incredible story. Well, she started uh, with my wife. They, they pulled together and started a feminine hygiene training ministry where they train people in feminine hygiene. It actually helps prevent trafficking. There's all kinds of great things about it. And over 45,000 women have been trained. It's been beautiful. And then they plant churches uh, using that. And it got the attention of the president of the nation. So many women were being trained in feminine hygiene. And so she got a chance to be able to meet with the president of the nation. And she sits down with the president. And now this is a semi-persecuted nation. Um, if you start sharing the gospel, you can go to jail. And the president of the nation looks at her in the eyes and says, you give me three reasons why you follow Jesus. What do you do in that moment? I mean, if you share, you could be thrown in prison. You don't know. And my, my friend who was there with her in the meeting said, the Holy Spirit just came upon her and she glowed. She says, I cannot give you three reasons why I follow Jesus because I have thousands. And she starts going off on all the things that Jesus had done in her life and rescued her from and brought into her life and healed her from and strengthened her. And, and she got to share the gospel powerfully with the president of the nation. This is just a little while ago. So God's doing the book of Acts all the way through. And this is just, I had to cut out a lot of stories. Like this is just a few of what God's been doing. And this is what God wants to do in our lives. And so here's, here's how it works. I want to just show you um, a little bit of the, the core practices that we see in the global church. And if we want to see the church of Acts, if we want to see what the, you know, what the global church is seeing, this is what they do. The core practices is it, they spend extraordinary time in prayer. Like every believer is learning to pray and pray a lot and, and really get in their face before God and praying for their... I mean, one time the global church just... Our, one of our friends in the global church said, how often do you pray for your neighbors by name? I was, they're like, I was like, huh? They're like, yeah, of course. You have to pray for your neighbors, your coworkers, your family members, those that don't know Christ by name every day, of course. You're doing that, right? And I was like, yeah. Um, <laughs> just started. And so, the, so my... Our family, we started praying for our neighbors and our family members and coworkers by name, and we've gotten to lead a couple of our neighbors to Christ behind us. We have a couple more neighbors who are coming to church. One of our neighbors, she came to us. She was worshiping crystals. She came to us and said, I heard a voice from God of the Bible, and I want to go to church with you guys. I need to find out who God of the Bible is. Another one of our family members came to Christ, and he got to lead one of his friends to Christ just because we started praying for people on a regular basis by name to come to know Jesus. And the thing is, we didn't have to do a lot of sharing. They would ask us, can we go to church with you once you start praying? So you start with extraordinary prayer. And you really build into that. And then you spend, they spend time with the lost. They're prayer walking, they're connecting, they're hanging out with lost people on a regular basis. So every believer is doing this every week. Every day they're praying a lot. Every week they're praying, spending time with the lost. And if you go to the next slide, um, then the next thing they do is every believer is serving the poor and needy. Every other believer is doing this. And, and they just, they look for, and the thing about needy is this. You could be like really wealthy and lose your child and you are needy. You're not poor, but you're needy. And, and so you're looking for people who are poor and in need. They're having a difficult time or they're poor, always having a difficult time. The poor and the needy. And they're serving the poor and needy on a regular basis. And then they just meet in groups. And they, they practice studying the Bible together in groups on a regular basis. And most of the places that we serve, you saw the backhoe getting rid of the church building. You can't have church buildings. And so these groups will start groups, which will start groups, which will start groups. 
and they just spread. Uh, I, I, I get this stuff on my phone all the time. They're like, yeah, hey, in this place we went, and then they started another five house churches, and it just keeps happening, and then the next day, and it, like, that's like a day. You know, it's just beautiful, all the groups that are starting. Every believer is empowered to get together with others, read the Bible, and find out how to obey it. And then, then the last thing is, every believer is training another person to do the same. It's this multiplying factor, and this is what the global church is doing. And it's beautiful because uh, and, and I, these global church um, movements that have been starting, um, I, there's a missiologist that said he's seen about 100 million people come to Christ in the past 30 years because of these movements, these underground movements. And they're just doing these five practices. They don't even know what a denomination is versus like what denomination they're in. They just follow Jesus. It's beautiful. And this is what God has been doing amongst the global church. And this is what God did in the early church. And this is what God wants to do here in Calgary. This is what God wants to do in your life and in your family. He wants to do this in your neighborhood. He wants to do this in your workplace. He wants to do this in your, uh, where you guys, amongst your coworkers and where you live. He wants to do this amongst your friends. God wants to do this same thing here. And he sent me here to tell you this. That God is using this church as a beacon that sits on a hill over this city to be a beacon in a hill over this city, but he wants to use all of you to be the, the pastors, all of you to reach your community, all of you to start sharing with your friends and your family members and your coworkers and your neighbors, and all of you to be able to start discipling people, praying your guts out for them, spending time with them, and then studying the Bible together and being used by God. And God will start doing miracles just like all of these stories that I told you, because everywhere we see this, you see start practicing those practices, God starts doing those things. It's, it happened in the book of Acts. It happens all in the countries that we work, and it happens in crazy neighborhoods in Minneapolis now. It's really beautiful, and God is going to do the same thing here in Calgary, and that's the challenge for all of you, is not just to read the book of Acts, but to be the book of Acts. Yeah, you can clap. That's a big thing. Like, God really wants to do this, um, and, and so this is the challenge to you, is like, not just to read the book of Acts. Be the book of Acts. Live a dynamic life of prayer. Start spending time with others that don't know Christ. Start serving those in need and start seeing the miracles of God, studying the scriptures together, letting it strengthen you, and then training others who train others who train others who train others. And it'll start multiplying. This is what God's called all of us to do. This is the book of Acts. This is the early church. And this is what God is calling this church to. So I'm going to, before we end this, I'm going to ask the band up to come up. We're going to worship a little bit. And while we worship, I want you to hear and let God give you some real practical things. Like maybe it's simple. It's like, who are you going to pray for by name to know Jesus every day? Who are some people you're going to spend time with? Who are some people you can serve? Who are some people you can get together and study the Bible with? Who's someone that you can train? And, 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 and God is going to start bringing that to your mind. So as we're worshiping, I want to encourage you to be listening but before we do that, there might be some people here that you are not a Christ follower, like, or you were a Christ follower, but you're like, I don't know, I'm on the fence now. And I can't think of a better time or a better day than hearing what Jesus is doing all over the world than for you to make today famous in your life. And what I mean by that is my dad, he heard the gospel for the first time when he was 36 years old in a small little chapel in the middle of Alaska. That's where I was born. Um, not in the chapel, but in Alaska. And um, just got to clarify. And he walked into a church and he'd never heard the gospel. He'd never heard that Jesus will come to you and Jesus will save you and that Jesus took the penalty of your sin on the cross 
so that you don't have to earn it. He never heard that there's, you don't have to have religion to become a better person, that Jesus will come to you and you can have a relationship with Jesus who will save you. And he heard that for the first time and he said, who wouldn't do this? He'll forgive me? He'll save me? And he raised his hand and there's no one else in the whole church that raised his hand. And he was kind of embarrassed because he's a Swede, and, um, which is kind of like a Canadian. And, and he finally, <coughs> he, he came up and he accepted Christ. And then my mom came to Christ and I came to Christ and my brother came to Christ and my sister came to Christ and we've got to lead people to Jesus in 50 different nations around the world. But it all started that one day at that one chapel. It was just a random Sunday. And today might be the day that becomes, that day's famous in our family. That's the day my dad met Jesus. And I just want to invite, for some of you, today might be the day that you didn't know it, but today's going to be famous in your life. It's the day you decide to receive the forgiveness of Christ, to be forgiven and to be saved. You can't live this life alone. You need a Savior. And the God of the universe, He loves you. He created you. He knows you. And He's waiting for you to open your heart and to say, okay, I follow you. I'll be forgiven. So can we bow our heads and close our eyes here? If you are not a Christian or you were a Christian and, but you've been fence-sitting and you're just here, maybe this is the first time you're in a church. Maybe you've, you've never been. What I want to do is to see, give you an opportunity to make today famous in your life. And so I'm just going to count to three. And, at the, and when I count to three, if you can raise your hand, I want to pray for you. And we're all going to pray together to receive the love and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. And so if you're ready, you, you, again, you're not a Christian or you have been a Christian and now it's time to come back to Jesus. You're ready. Then let's do this to all together. Just those of you who are making that decision on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Just raise your hand up. That's awesome. Anyone else? Oh, that's so cool. That's so cool. All these hands. That's so awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Anyone else? I just want to give you another moment to make today famous in your life. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Awesome. Let's, let's do this together. Let's all pray this prayer together. So if you can repeat after me. Say, Dear Jesus, I need you. I can't save myself. I need a Savior. Will you come and forgive me and help me to follow you as my leader and my Lord? And I decide today to, to follow you all the days of my life. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us today on Journey Church Podcast. For more information about our ministry, visit myjourney.church.